Hello, this is Pastor Omar Lopez from Praise Chapel Paramount. This past weekend, we continued our series on Giants Must Fall. I talked about the giant of inadequacy. How many times do we feel inadequate as a parent, as a husband, or as a wife? Whoever you are, you feel inadequate many times. You feel like you're not good enough. Even Moses felt that way, and the Lord told him, I'm with you. Moses felt that he couldn't speak well, and God said, I'm with you, I'm with you. I made your mouth. And ultimately, Moses was the one that delivered God's people out of Egypt. And in the same way, we may feel inadequate, but God can use you because he's with you. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Appreciate your giving to the Lord. What a wonderful time it is to be in the house of God. Are you glad you're here? All right. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're in the right place. At the right time, right now. You say, Pastor, are you always going to do this? Yes, I am. Hallelujah. And so we welcome you. We're glad you're here. Again, we're excited about what the Lord is doing and want to encourage you uh, to come uh, for prayer here anytime before work. And uh, you don't have to stay here the full two hours, but what we're encouraging you is anytime uh, you can come between 6.15 and 8.15. We want to encourage, even if you, you stop by for 10 minutes or 15 minutes, whatever it is, um, we just want to encourage you to stop by and pray and get a hold of God. I think if we pray before we go to work, it'll help us at work, right? And some of us, we really need to pray before we go to work, right? So uh, I recommend it that you come and be a part of that. We're excited about that. Again, we're continuing our series here on Giants Must Fall. And we've been talking about facing giants in our lives. And, of course, we referenced the story of David versus Goliath. Uh, the underdog, the one that wasn't supposed to win, wins the top dog, which is Goliath. And, of course, we know he defeated him. Uh, but this morning I want to continue in that series. But I want to talk about a giant lie, a giant lie that we all face in life. And it really plagues many of us throughout life. We are plagued by this giant lie that I'm going to talk about today that I think all of us, at one point or another, we deal with it. And what happens is we begin to uh, or believe this lie, and we wrongly allow this lie to dictate our life. And I'm simply talking about the big lie or the giant lie of feeling inadequate. How many have ever felt that, you know what, I'm not good enough? I don't have what it takes. I'm just not able to do it. And I have felt the effects of that even as a parent. I'm just not a good enough parent. I just don't have what it takes. You know, I'm not a good parent or I'm not a good enough husband or a good enough wife. You know, I wish I was better, but I'm just not that good. And I'll just tell you one of my biggest insecurities that I've had to battle throughout is life. I'm not a good enough minister. I'm not a good enough pastor. I wish I was a better pastor. I wish I, I had, you know, did better than I'm doing. And many of us have dealt with that giant lie of feeling inadequate because it, it really affects us. And the problem is when we begin to believe that it's true, we begin to base our worth on this lie that we are inadequate. And one of the things that we do, and I've said this before, is we base our worth and our, uh, our, our, you know, our value on what other people say. What other people have said about us. What other people have said to us. Some of us, maybe you grew up 
fortunately, in a good home where you are always encouraged. But many of us have grew up in homes where you hear the word, you're dumb. You're, you're an idiot. You're a fool. You know, you're not good enough. You're pathetic. I wish you were more like your brother. I wish you were more like your sister. You didn't turn out like her. How many have ever heard those kind of words in your life? And you begin to hear these words of inadequacy, that you're not good enough, that you're not good, you're not as good as this other person. And I've heard even people say, I wish I never had you. I wish you were never born. And these words go out every day to people, on and on. And I'll just take it a step further. You know what? If you just lost 15 pounds, man, you'd look a lot more prettier than you are. And so you grow up feeling like you're always overweight. And so all of us this morning, we've heard these words that cut us down. And I tell you, it feels good when people say good things about us. But the moment they begin to say bad things about us or cut us down, we often base our worth on what people say about us instead of what God says about you. Another giant lie that we believe is, again, we feel inadequate because of our past experiences, things that have happened in our past. We've grown up in in a very challenging family, and that's a good way of saying a dysfunctional family, okay? We've grown up in a challenging family where our family around us, again, have made us feel average. You're just average. You're just an average person. You're not going to achieve very much. And so what happens is we kind of grow up thinking that, you know what, we'll never fulfill any big dreams because we're just average. That's what we've been told. Or if you've grown up in a family where there's been divorce, or if you've had a divorce in your life, you live your life thinking, man, I've been divorced. I, I'm a failure. And so a lot of us this morning, believe it or not, live with those things in our lives that make us feel inadequate. And one of the greatest tragedies in life, and again, I'm going to get very sensitive here this morning, but I I believe it's true because so many of us deal with it. It's a big giant of inadequacy because of the tragedy that happens behind closed doors all over America, all over the world. And that's where people have been molested by some very sick-minded people. And I I looked up the statistics of molestation. They said there are over 42 million survivors of sexual molestation or sexual abuse. They say one in every three girls are sexually abused by the age of 18. One in every five boys are sexually abused by the age of 18. And it says one one of five children are solicited sexually on the internet before the age of 18. So some of you that have kids that are on the internet, between one and five five children are solicited. They say, and 30% of sexual abuse is never even reported. So they're not even in the statistics. So when you begin to think of all of that, and here's the biggest tragedy of that. The people that suffer from sexual abuse, and it's not only the physical pain, but it's the emotional pain that they go through. The scars that are left behind. And and then make it even more worse, they feel like it's their fault. If if I'd have done this, you know, I, I deserve what happened to me. I'm just not good enough. And so a lot of people live their life wrongly based on the past and things that have happened 
and they say, well, I'm just so dumb. I just messed up. That's why all these things happened to me. And I'm here to tell you, none of that is true. I said none of that is true this morning. And so I want to show you throughout the Word of God, and, and I really want to focus in on one character that really felt inadequate. There's a lot of things that we went through in life growing up, and all of us this morning can relate to some of the things that he'd gone through that made him feel inadequate. It was the giant that he had to defeat. But before I go on, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask the Lord to help us this morning as we get into this message. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for truth that sets us free, God. The truth will set us free. And so, Lord, I pray that this giant of inadequacy would fall, this giant of insecurity would fall. And so, Lord, I pray that the word of God would bring life, that would bring encouragement, that it would help many people that are in this place today, minister to them, strengthen them, empower them. And God, I pray your word today would come alive. You would anoint every word that I declare today. And Father, that the people would hear the voice behind the voice in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. and so this particular message or this particular hero, Bible hero, many of us know him. I want to talk about Moses. I want to focus on Moses because the Bible said that God speaks to Moses and he calls him to deliver God's people. But immediately we see how Moses is feeling inadequate, how Moses is feeling insecure about what God is telling him to do. And in Exodus chapter 4, uh, verse uh, number 10, I believe, Moses said to the Lord, Oh, Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the path nor since you have spoken to your servant. He said, I am slow of speech and tongue. In other words, Lord, don't put me in front of people. I freeze up. How many have ever felt that way? Lord, I, I'm just uh, kind of nervous when I get in front. I'm not a great public speaker. In fact, I, I don't feel very qualified. God, I, I'm not good enough. Are you sure you got the right guy? And in verse 11 through 13, God begins to speak to him. But it's very interesting because Moses is... This guy that has gone through a lot of things, very educated, all these things. But when it comes to being, feeling confident, when it comes to feeling empowered, the Bible says he's feeling very inadequate. And God is speaking truth to him. God begins to respond to him in truth. And even when God responds, we're going to read it in just a moment, Moses is still not listening. Sometimes we can be in church and we're really not listening. I've said this before, the loudest voice in this room is not me, it's in your head. It's you. It's what you say to yourself. It's what you say to yourself about what I'm saying to you right now. And I've said this before, the average person, I actually had to look up these statistics, is that the average person speaks 125 words a minute. 125 words a minute, you speak the average person. If you're really fast, you can speak 300. I know a couple of people like that. But anyway, 125. And they say you speak back to yourself, though. In your own head, you speak up to four times. So you speak to yourself 500 words a minute. If you could hear yourself speak, I mean, it's rapid, rapid speech going on inside your head right now. And you're, you're speaking to yourself about what I'm saying. You're, you're talking to yourself four times faster than I'm speaking to you. 
And that's why often what you're saying to yourself governs your life more than what I'm saying to you. It's, it's, it's a challenge. So, so many times when I'm preaching and I'm ministering, I can tell people are not paying attention. I can tell they're not hearing what I'm saying to them, and it's frustrating. I just have to believe God that, you, that the Holy Spirit is going to reveal something to you. Uh, but so you're, the voice in you is the strongest voice. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So you can confess God's word, and you can confess God's promises over your life. Are you hearing me? At 125 words a minute, but 500 words inside of yours are saying the opposite. You're not good enough. You can't claim those promises. Those promises are not for you. That's why it's important that part of the reason why we start worship is we're making a declaration of God's promises over our life. And so we're singing them. And even when you're singing them, some of you are not really even singing them. You're saying, oh, I can't sing. No, it's not true. That doesn't apply to me. See, that voice inside of you is larger than the voice that you're hearing. Are you with me? And so here's what God says to him in verse 11. The Lord said to Moses, okay, who gave you that mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Then God says, now go, Moses. I will help you speak and teach you what to say. So in other words, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to teach you. You would think right there that settles it. That there's nothing to worry about it. God's got my back. Uh, you know what? Uh, God says he's going to be with me. There's no problem. Uh, but then Moses said this, oh, Lord, help me out. Please send someone else. You see, see the inadequacy behind it? He is saying, please send someone else. In other words, he's wrongly believing this giant lie that he's still not good enough, even though God has already told him, I'm with you, I'm going to give you the words, but since I'm not good enough, why should I even go send someone else? See, many times we're sitting here in this room and we think we're not making a difference. I just come to church, I'm not making a difference. You don't realize your life makes a difference in people. Just you showing up can encourage somebody. Just you showing up can minister to someone. You could be the key to shake that person's hand or greet that person or talk to that person. The fact that you showed up here this morning and maybe someone came in contact with you and you gave them an encourage, encouragement, you made a difference. But what happens to us is we're always feeling average. Well, you know, I, 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 I'm not making a difference. In fact, in fact, if, uh, if you just look at yourself, sometimes you say, well, you know, physically I don't look that great. Uh, I don't have a great appearance. Uh, all these things, you know, uh, uh, people, you know, don't like me that much. And what happens is you begin to live and reminisce in the past rather than what God is saying to you today. God is saying, I have chosen you. I said, God says to you, he's chosen you today. That should settle it. And that's what God was saying to Moses. God was saying to Moses, I've called you. I've given you that mouth. But immediately, Moses' reaction is, you know what? I, I, I'm not good enough. And he's a little confused about what God is saying to him. And many times we feel that way. We're a little confused about what God is trying to do in our life. And, and let me just kind of bring you up to speed of what's happening here and how we even get to this point where God begins to speak to Moses. Because if you know, how many remember this, the movie, The Ten Commandments? You ever seen that movie? It's an old classic. Some of you remember that. I, I remember the movie with Charleston Heston. 
And, you know, he comes, and, and I, I just remember this part. I really love this part. When he comes and he finally, they, they, he, he's, he's enslaved, and, and he's talking before Pharaoh, and, and uh, he, he looks like a slave. Pharaoh says, who's done this to you, you know, and all this stuff. And finally, uh, um, Mo, Moses tells him, you know what, if I can free the people, I will. And Pharaoh said, oh, wow, man, he's mad. And he said, let the name of Moses be stricken from every book and tablet. And then you hear the, book, the drum roll. Stricken from every pylon in Obelisk. Stricken from every monument of Egypt. Let the name of Moses. And he picked out, it said, be unheard of and unspoken. And he raised from the memory of men for all time. And I don't know if you guys remember that. I just love that part. You know, Charles Heston's walking out. He's walking out defeated. Pharaoh is making all these decrees, but, but Pharaoh doesn't realize how big God is. I said, Pharaoh doesn't realize how big God is. And so we know the story that Moses uh, he had grown up in Egypt, and, and for 40 years, the first 40 years of his life, he is adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. She pulls him out of the water, and that's what the word Moses means. The name Moses means, I pulled you out of the water. And so he lived there. He's educated. By the way, if you're adopted, here's the great thing is, you know what? Uh, your, your parents chose you. Uh, our parents got stuck with us. Hallelujah. And so Moses was chosen. Uh, he got put out uh, of the water. And, and so basically, uh, he becomes this guy that's educated. He's well-rounded. But at some point, Moses realizes that he belongs to the Hebrew people, and he tries to help one of them. And we know the story. He ends up killing an Egyptian, and he ends up in the backside of the desert. Not Palm Desert, okay, the Median Desert. And he ends up and he marries a woman there. He meets a woman in, meet in the desert and uh, he begins to work for his father-in-law, Jethro. Not Jethro, tall the band, okay, just Jethro. And so he, he ends up being there and, and all of his life, I imagine he begins to think, this is going to be my life. I'm going to be a shepherd and I, eventually I'll take over my father-in-law's business. And all he saw himself was now being a shepherd, a family man, nothing, any, anything else is going to happen to him. Uh, he wakes up every morning, he's looking around, but one day the Bible says he wakes up uh, and he sees this burning bush in the mountains. And he goes up to check this out. And this is what happened in Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, and suddenly the angel of the Lord appeared to him, as the blazing fire in the bush. And Moses was amazed because the bush was engulfed in flames, but it did not burn up. The moment Moses encountered that burning bush, he had an encounter with God. Because it was out of that burning bush that God began to speak to Moses. Moses, Moses. Take those sandals off your feet. Anyway, that's a powerful thing. I'm telling you, I love that movie. So here, here he is. He, he's standing before God, and, and all, he, God gets his attention. How many know sometimes God's got to get your attention? He gets his attention by this burning bush, and he speaks to him. And I believe many times God's trying to get your attention. He wants, to know, he wants you to know that he has something for you, that, 
There, he's got his best for you, that you don't have to live average. God has something better for you. And, and I'm here to tell you, he'll get your attention. Sometimes it could be a very small thing. It may not be a burning bush. We're probably not going to stumble over a bush in our life. But it could be someone that's just carrying the Bible. It could be someone that just said, God bless you. It could, it could be that you're here today because someone just said, hey, come to my church. And it got your attention. Sometimes the tragedy will get our attention. Sometimes something that's happened in our life that we didn't expect gets our attention. And so this burning bush gets his attention. In the middle of his routine, in the middle of him just kind of walking along in life, waking up like any other day, this day, though, he runs into a burning bush, and he has an encounter with God, and God begins to speak to him, and the presence of God gets a hold of his life. And in Exodus chapter 3, verse 4, when the Lord saw that he had caught Moses' attention, God called to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. Here I am, Lord, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, God told him. Take off your sandals for, your, for you are standing on holy ground. Hallelujah. See, God today wants to get a hold of you and not only speak to you from a burning bush, but he wants to get your soul burning for him. Can you say amen? And the amazing thing is that I believe what probably shocked Moses is that God knew his first name. I'm here to tell you, God knows who you are. God knows where you're coming from. He knows what's happened in your life. And can I tell you, despite all of those things, God still wants to use you. See, we think what's happened in our past, we think what's gone on in our life disqualifies us. In reality, God says, I already know all of those things, and I'm going to use all of those things for my glory. I'm going to empower your life and use your life despite all that's happened in your life. See, it's a personal call. When God speaks to you, it's personal. Here, here's what I really want to tell you. It's a personal relationship with God. And so many times I've watched people and the relationship with God is based on what other people do. It can't be. It's a per when you stand before God, it's not going to be you and your friend, you and your brother, sister, you and your ankle and chest. It's not going to be there. It's going to be you by yourself. And your relationship, your accountability to God is you by yourself. It's not going to be you and your family, you and your brother, sister, nobody, or your mom and dad. It's going to be just you. So you have to take accountability and account for your own soul and your own life. And when God speaks to you, you have to make a decision, not based on what other people think, based upon, hey, God, I'm going to listen to what you have to say to my life. I'm not going to let a relationship hold me back. I'm not going to let somebody else hold me back. I'm going to do what you've called me to do. Right, can you say amen? You have to decide. Moses hears what God says to him. And immediately, this is what Moses said, the first thing, you can write this down if you're taking notes. He says, who am I? He says, who am I that, that to appear before Pharaoh, Moses asked God, how can you expect me to lead the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? In Exodus chapter 311, he goes, how can I be the one? How do you expect me? Moses was saying, God, I'm just an ordinary guy. I'm just a regular person. I'm not qualified. Who am I to do this? God, I, I, you know what? I, I'm not young enough. God, I'm not old enough. How many have made that excuse? 
God, I'm not, you know, tall enough. God, I'm not short enough. God, I'm not skinny enough. God, I'm not fat enough. God, I don't have enough hair enough. God, I'm bald enough. And all these different things. We can disqualify ourselves by all of these things. And I'm here to tell you, God says, man, I'm the one that sends you. Can you say amen? So many of us today, God told him, I will be with you in Exodus chapter 3, verse 12. The amazing thing about it is God tells them, I'm going to be with you. See, God could have did something opposite. God could have said, you know what, Moses, man, you got it. You've been educated. You grew up in Egypt. He could have built them up. But God didn't tell him, you know, all these things qualified him, uh, qualified him because of all the education and all the ingenuity he knew. God was saying, what qualifies you is me. I will be with you. Are you hearing me? I will be with you. God is saying to you and I, it's not how much you know, it's not what you possess, it's not how much education you have. The great thing about God, it's not about your greatness, it's about God's greatness that's in you. And so you may be at a point in your life right now, you may be, you may be in a transition, you may be in a place right now, you're wondering, man, I, I, I don't know what to do next. I, I, my life is not where I, in fact, I'm in a tough place. You may feel like you're in a tough place. You may feel that, man, things are hard right now, and you're wondering if you have enough strength to make it, and God is saying, I will be with you. Did you hear me? When we say, well, who am I? I'm just not feeling it. I'm not God saying, I'll be with you. In Psalm 91:15, when you call to me, I will answer you. I will be with you when you're in trouble. I will save you and honor you. Hallelujah. It's not so much your ability that matters, it's your availability. Now, that's not a cute phrase this morning. What I'm saying to you, when I say it's your available, when it comes right down to it, God is saying, will you be available for me? Are you willing to put things aside for me? Are you willing to put your own agenda aside to allow God to work in your life? See, what happens many times is, is, is because we, we, we get, sometimes we feel so confident in ourselves that we don't think we need God. When we realize, you know what, God, I need you more because, I, I, man, I don't have enough. I can't do it by myself. I need you. God likes that kind of humility. Those people that are saying, you know what, God, I need you more. Otherwise, what happens is if we don't choose God, we begin to get in that comfort zone. And that control zone, we, we like to be in control, don't we? Man, we're control freaks. Let's just be honest. We're control freaks. How many times do you drive with someone and you're over there putting on the brakes and you're in the, you're in the passenger side? You're trying to make the turn. Hey, make over here like, dude, I'm driving, not you. Sit down. Calm down. I know what I'm doing. Stop trying to be in control of everything. Right? And so we, what happens is we like this control, we like this comfort, and we retreat to that, and when we retreat to that, we never meet any kind of challenge God's trying to put on you. You're not challenged because you like the, you like the comfortable, you like the familiar. You like to be in control, and can I tell you, if you just begin to trust God a little bit, God can do something great in your life. If you just begin to trust God, said, God, you know what? I'm going to stop trusting in me, and I'm going to start trusting in you. 
And so finally, he, he responds to God. Write this down. You, point number two, if you want to write it down. God tells him uh, he, in Exodus chapter 3, verse, four, uh, verse 13, the Living Bible says, they were, uh, he said, well, who are you? Moses asking, who are you? And, and they were asked, which God are, are you talking about? What's his name? What should I tell them, Moses is saying. And God replied, I am the one who always is. Just tell them, I am has sent you. Hallelujah. And, 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 and you know, here's the, here's the crazy thing. If I was Moses, I would be thinking, okay, I am, all right, what else? Is there anything else to that sentence? No, just I am is enough. Because this is why God identifies himself with the I am. It's probably one of the most powerful names in the Bible. God was saying to him, I am your everything. I am your strength when you're needed. I am your power when you're weak. I'm your healer when you're sick. I am the light when you're lost. I'm your redeemer. Amen. When you've gone away, I'm your counselor. I'm your restorer. I'm whoever you need me to be when you need me to be it. Hallelujah. So God was saying, I am whatever you need me to be when you need it. So lots of times we're wondering, how, how does this work out? See, God used that purposely because he knew that there were going to be moments where we needed God for that situation, and that's who God was going to be at that given time. And so when Moses says, who are you? God was saying, I'm the very one that you need in different situations in your life. In fact, when, when the people of Israel needed food, God said, I'm your provider. I'm Jehovah Jireh. When God's people needed victory, he said, I'm Jehovah Nisi, your victory. When God's people needed peace, he said, I am Jehovah Shalom, I am the God of peace. When people needed to know that God was there, he said, I'm Jehovah Shammah, I am always going to be there. Each time God said, I'm the one that can meet your need, I'm the one that you've been looking for, I'm the peace that you need in your life. Stop trying to do it by yourself. Somebody say amen. And so Moses again began to make excuses. No matter how many times God responded. See, that's the giant of inadequacy that we deal with every single time. God has an answer, but we just, we're just not listening. God has a purpose. We're just not seeing from God's perspective. And so I, I'm believing today that this giant of inadequacy and insecurity will fall in your life because so many of you, God wants to do more. God's been trying to stir you up a little bit, but for whatever reason, you kind of fall back. You allow things to make you go back to that comfort zone. Get out of the comfort zone and get in the faith zone a little bit. So the third thing he says, uh, what about them? Moses is saying to him, Lord, they're not going to believe me. And look at what it says here in Exodus chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. Moses protested again. He said, look, they won't believe me. They won't do what I tell them. They'll just say, the Lord never appeared to you. He's almost saying, God, I hate to be difficult here, but, you know, I have a bad feeling about this. When I stand before the people and let them know that you sent me, they're not going to believe me. They're going to say, who sent you? How, how is this? Uh, 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 you know, we don't believe that he sent you. And so it, it was kind of some valid reasons. It wasn't invalid. Uh, 
that, that he was feeling like, how am I going to go and tell these people that you sent me there's no evidence, uh, there's nothing. And so he was feeling kind of like, I, I, I don't know, what about those people? What are they going to say? How many times we're always worried about what people think, right? What are they going to say about us? What are, the, what are they going to think? And, and here's what it says here about Moses' life, because even Moses, he, he was feeling rejected. Let me just tell you why he was feeling rejected. Because remember, he tried to deliver the people before it was time. He was trying to help out. And in the midst of helping out, the Bible says he ended up murdering this Israelite, and the people had rejected him. I, the book of Acts said that really clearly. Let me read to you. Acts chapter 7, verse 24 when he saw an Israelite, talking about Moses, an Israelite man, being treated unfairly by an Egyptian, he defended the Israelite. He took revenge by killing the Egyptian. Moses thought his own people would understand that, that God was going to use him to give them freedom, but they didn't understand. So let me just give you what I'm saying to you today, is that he, he tried to free the people too early before God had already, before God had given him the instruction. He knew he was the deliverer early on, but yet he tried to work out of God's timing. And when he did that, the Bible said the people rejected him. So he felt this inadequacy, this insecurity. I've been rejected once. How am I going to go back? How many have ever tried something and failed? And now you have to face the music, right? You have to try it again. It's huge. It's huge. And, and I, I've met people that say, well, I don't care what people think. Stop lying. You care what people think. I care about what people think. I don't want to be hated. Who wants to be hated? Nobody does. We care about what people think. Here's the thing about what we do when, I, when I'm telling you that. I care about what people think, but I don't care. Or I should say that I care about what people think, but I don't allow what people think to control me. Are you hearing me? I care about what they think, but I don't allow what they think to control me. That's the problem today. It's not, not caring. I don't care what they think. I don't care. No, that's a bad attitude. You care about what people think, but we don't allow what they think to control us. Can you say amen? And so Paul, or, or Moses was saying, they're going to reject me. They're going to ignore me. They're not going to accept me. And somehow those voices were echoing in his mind over and over. I'm never going to be able to do this. And God answers him here. And he says, uh, they won't. And the Lord said to him, uh, uh, what do you have in your hand? And he said, well, a, a, a shepherd's staff. God said, I'm going to use what you got, not what you don't have. See, here's the thing. God wants to use your life. God wants you to let you know today that you don't need to feel inadequate, that you have everything you need in your life already. You have all the tools that God needs in your life right now. Some of us think, well, I need this, I need that, and in order for God to use me, I need to be able to do all of these things. And I'm here to tell you that's not, that's not true at all. Moses got his eyes on himself rather than his eyes on God. And this is what I love about what God says, what's in your hand? And Moses said, I've got this staff. Remember, this staff was a shepherd's staff. He used it everywhere he went. He would not go anywhere without that staff. And God said, that's the very thing that you think is just common. The very thing that you think is just insignificant is the very thing I'm going to use to minister to people. And he said, give me that staff. He goes, throw it on the ground. 
You know what God was saying to him? Put it in my hand first. When you put something in God's hands first, then he puts it back into your hands, and it's with his spirit and grace. Can you say amen? amen. We got to be willing to put it in God's hands first. See, we're, we're holding on to so many things. We need to put it in God's hands first. God, you know, everything that we have, honestly, everything that we have belongs to God. Have you put it in his hands? Have you put your will in God's hand? Have you put your marriage in God's hand? Have you put your relationship in God's hand? Have you put all of these things, your gifting, in God's hands? And that's what he was telling Moses. He was saying, Moses, uh, put it in my hands. Uh, I want you to put it in my hand, place it in my hand. And when you do that, uh, you're going to see what I can do. And this is what he said. He threw it on the ground. And so Moses threw this staff on the ground. And the staff became a snake. That's pretty scary. And then he said, Moses was terrified, so he started running away. And the Lord said to him, take hold of it by its tail. I'm telling you, man, this is, this, some people are snake handling here. And he took it by the tail. And when he took it by the tail, the Bible says, as he grabbed it, it became a shepherd's staff again. So what God was saying, Moses, what you have, what's so familiar to you, I'm going to use it for my glory. And we know that he took that staff, and it was that very staff that he put into the Red Sea, and it turned our, in, into, the, into the river, uh, Nile River, and it turned into blood. He took that staff, and he struck the Red Sea, and it opened up. He took that staff, and water flew out of that, uh, water came out of that rock. Because I want you to know, when you put your life in God's hand, he will use you. He will empower you. You don't need to feel so inadequate. See, I don't know why so many of us today think that God can't use us. He can. You're feeling like a failure. And the last thing, write this down. He says, well, what about my tongue? I'm going to go back to that. What about this? But Moses, in Exodus 4, verse 10, but Moses pleaded with the Lord, oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I've never, I've never been, and, now, and not now, even though you've spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled up. Now, many scholars believe that Moses was a stutterer, that he stuttered a lot, and because of that, he lacked this confidence to speak, and this is why he's telling God, God, I'm a stutterer, I've, I've never done, and so he's kind of making a, a jab at God. God, you know this, you have already know this, and so Moses felt a little disability, he felt disabled, he felt like, man, I got the disability in my life. And because of this disability, because of this health problem and this issue, I'm not really, I can't really be qualified to be used by you. And let me tell you what real disability is. You know what, how, what really disables us when we say we can't do it, when we say I'm not available. Are you with me? That's what really disables us. And so Moses was thinking, you know what, I... I'm not good enough. I can't do this. I'm not able to do this. Uh, I have this disability. See, there, there's a lot of us this morning, we, we think in order to be great, we have to be famous. Can I tell you, there's a lot of famous people, but they're not great. Did you know that? There's, just because even in today's society, we, we live in a, a time in society where, uh, you know, you, you ask these kids and they just want a lot of followers. They want to be famous. How many followers do you have? Being famous doesn't make you great. 
I, I remember they, they were talking to Charles Barkley because, you know, his, when Charles Barkley was an NBA player, he's retired now. And, uh, you know, he would always get mad and angry. He would get upset. He would always be fighting. And they came to him and they told him, you're supposed to be a role model. And he goes, I'm not a role model. I'm just an NBA player. I'm not a role model. In other words, why are you looking to me? I'm not a role model. I'm just a, I'm just a basketball player. He goes, the role models are in the home. They're, they're the parents. They're the teachers at school. They're the, they're, the, they're the people in church. Those are role models because I'm just a basketball player. And I begin to think about it. You know, there's some truth to that. Lots of times we think because someone's famous, they're great. Can I tell you, you can be great but not famous. In fact, there are people around you, sitting around you. You may not even know their name, but they're great. They may not be famous, but they're great. There's some people in this building, they may not be real famous, but I want you to know they are great people. I said they are great people that are sitting next to you. And so God tells Moses, who made your mouth? In other words, this disability of yours, this thing that you're thinking, I'm not good enough. God was saying, you know what? I'm going to be with you. In other words, I'm going to empower you. I'm going to help you through all of that. And we know over the story, the Bible says that it was Moses that finally took what God said, and he goes and delivers the, the people of Israel. He delivers them out of Egypt, and that giant of inadequacy began to fall. Because we see that Moses obeyed what God had to say to him. And I believe Moses had to change his perspective. Look at what Hebrews 11.26 says. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of a greater value than that, that, than that the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Hebrews 11.27 says he had his eye on the one no one else could see. And, and so he kept right on going. His eyes began to shift. He shifted his eyesight from himself, and he shifted it toward God. And I'll read you this last quote. D.L. Moody said this about Moses. Moses spent the four, first 40 years thinking he was a somebody. Then he spent the next 40 years on the backside of the desert realizing he was a nobody. And finally, he spent the last 40 years learning how God can use anybody. Hallelujah. I love that. Amen. So when we think we're somebody, we're not really somebody, not by ourselves. When we think we're nobody, we really are somebody because God can use you. Hallelujah. And I'm here to just say to you today that no matter how inadequate you may feel, how, uh, fall, how much you think you fall short, that you're not, you don't have enough gifting, you don't have enough talent, I'm here to tell you that God has chosen you. God has picked you. He's empowered your life. You've been saved by the blood. Man, I love this song, You Are a Child of God. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with this verse right here because I think it really applies. And it's Jesus when he calls his disciples. And he, this is what it says in Mark chapter 3, verse 13. Afterwards, Jesus went up on a mountain and he called out the ones he wanted to go with him. And they came to him. The Bible says he chose them. That he chose the very ones that he wanted. Can I tell you, God's chosen you. Again, I, I said he chose you. And if he chose you, that means you can do it. That means there's more in you than you realize. There's more gifting, there's more grace, there's more anointing than you realize that's in you. 
Can I just be honest? If God can use me, he can use you. Hallelujah. That's the truth. And if anyone is unqualified in the natural, it would be me. But God qualifies the unqualified, right? He empowers you. He gives you grace. He gives you wisdom. As long as you make yourself available, that giant of inadequacy of what people have said to you. See, Jesus gathered these people, and the first people that he gathered, do you, do you remember, do you remember he, he gathered James and John and, and Andrew and Peter? These guys were all fishermen. He went to the sea. He didn't go to some uh, city hall to get his uh, followers. He went to the sea. These guys were fishing there, hardcore fishermen. In fact, I think it was James and John. He called them the sons of thunder. You know why? Because they had a thundering attitude, man. They, they were mean. He nicknamed them sons of thunder right over here. And so Jesus gave people nicknames. He looked at Peter and he said, Peter, you know what? You're, you're, you're like a little rock, man. You're like a little pebble. You're hard-headed. No, he said, you know what? There's something about you. And he gave everybody, how many people give you nicknames, right? Can I tell you, God's nicknames mean there's anointing, there's grace, there's favor, there's power all over your life today. That giant of inadequacy must fall. You think you can't get that job? Yes, you can get that job. You think you can't get that promotion? Yes, you can get that promotion. You think, man, I, I can't get ahead? Yes, you can get ahead. I'm just telling you. I've seen people, and, and I, I can tell you today, had get jobs that they were not qualified for. In fact, somebody else had the education, they had the degree, and this other guy didn't have it, but because there was something there, the guy said, I don't know why I'm hiring you. You know what? This guy has more, he's more qualified, but something about you, it's the grace of God. I said, it's the grace of God. And I'll just share, I can have the musicians come up. I, I've shared this before with you, but I'll share it again. I, I remember getting this job that, you know, that I really didn't feel I was qualified for, but something, God said, you need to go for it. So I went for it. And I knew a little bit about it, but honestly, it was over my head. And the guy, the, the, the president, the one that hired me, he said, I don't know why, but I'm going to hire you. I don't need nobody. In fact, I don't, I don't I, you know, we're full. Our, our department is completely full in the sales area, but I'm going to hire you. I remember he hired me, and I remember the first three months thinking, I have no idea what I'm doing. I was thinking to myself, oh, man, I'm going to get fired. I'm going to lose this job. I don't know what I'm doing, man. And, you know, I, I was answering the phones, you know, handling sales and, and, you know, half the equipment. I didn't know what I was selling. I didn't know enough about it. There's so many things to it. And uh, I remember I, I got the, uh, what did they call the uh, three-month thing? Probation. Probation period. Probation, but what do they call that? The evaluation, right? Yeah, the evaluation after three months. Here's your probation period. Now they're going to tell you where they're going to keep you on. And I remember there, I'm sitting across the manager. And he goes, man, you're doing such a great job. And I'm thinking to myself, I am? <laughs> we're, we're, we're just so glad we hired you. And I'm thinking, you did? <laughs> I'm, I'm being completely honest. I walked out of there shocked. And we just know that this, you're just going to have a great future here. We're happy with you. Keep, keep up the great work and all this. And I'm just thinking, how? I don't know what I'm doing. But can I tell you something? Within that month, something turned. And all of a sudden, man, I just knew so much of everything. I was like, I just began to pick up everything. And everything just shifted. 
I began to learn all this equipment. I just knew how to sell things. It was just something just, it just started clicking. Everything just came together. And, and, and I, I became the lead person there in that department. It just began to just change. And I said, that, it was God. It was the favor of God. See, I'm here to tell you, you don't know what God can do supernaturally in your life. If you just say, God, you know, I'm just going to give it to you. I'm just going to give it to you. Maybe you feel like that as a parent, man. I, I don't know what I'm doing. Join the club. There is no book. You learn as you go. Hallelujah. I'm not a good enough husband. I'm not a good enough wife. You, you're better than you think you are. I'm not a good Christian. You're better than you think you are. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you today. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.